Genesis 26, Genesis 26, <clears throat> and uh, this is one of those messages tonight that probably is more of a study than it is per se a message, but there's a lot of things here uh, that I believe will be helpful to us as, as families. Uh, your family tonight might be just you. It might be you and a spouse. It might be you and some children. Could be you and your grandchildren. Uh, the family home, the unit is quite different and diverse uh, today than it was years ago. And if you'll listen tonight to the Word of God, I, I really believe that God will give you some wonderful things from this portion of Scripture. And uh, I've had a few folks that have already asked me, uh, new in 72, and they're like, Pastor, I thought it was our 70th anniversary. It is. And they're like, well, isn't this going to be 2020? Yes, it is. And so hopefully you'll understand uh, how I came upon this title to the message. But if you're there in Genesis 26, I'll let you remain seated tonight. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 12, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and a possession of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father. The Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him in the, uh, the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father, fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Now there's a lot of digging going on here, and, uh, and you're going to see a little bit about that, but if you have your Bible, and of course the verse there isn't in the outline, but if you look in chapter 26 in the Word of God, 
The Bible says in verse number 1, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac wanted Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. So we're seeing this matter of digging and digging of wells. And of course, you dig a well to find water. And the Bible says there was a famine there. Now, as I thought about, of course, today and this coming week, I think about the new year. I think about how uh, God's giving us a fresh start. I like a new beginning. A lot of times it's good to hit reset in our lives because we tend to stop doing or get lackadaisical about something. But the one thing about a fresh start is it doesn't stay fresh very long. It's like uh, a lot of times my wife and I will buy some fruit, and if you're not careful and you don't eat it, that fruit doesn't stay very fresh that long. But we think about this fresh start, and we only get one chance every year to steward a fresh start. So in about 72 hours from now, we're going to have the opportunity to have a fresh start. Three days from now will be 2020. And so as you think about this new in 72, stewarding a new year, entering into what we will call 2020, and doing it with passion, making sure that in our lives we have priority. It's important to have, especially as a Christian, to have priority. And one of the things we see from the passage tonight is that Genesis 26, the life of Isaac, it actually gives us some details, not only about him, but about his family. Isaac learned how to steward things in his life, new things. And you remember that the Bible says that we who are in Christ, that old things are passed away and all things are become new. So I think when you consider your life in Christ, that if we're heading into a new year in 72, that you and I need to make sure that we are going to steward what God is going to give to us with the right priorities and the right passion. It's very important that we look at what Isaac did here in his life and how he uh, made sure that his family was taken care of and going in the right direction, how he stewarded what was given to him after the death of Abraham. And certainly we don't know what this new year holds for us. It's exciting on one hand, and I guess if you wanted to sit around, you could worry and get yourself worked up about what could happen. I'd rather just trust God. God knows the beginning from the end and all things work together. But in the new year, this fresh start, what we need to make sure that we're doing is asking God to help us to focus with the right priorities. And so there's some principles that I see in Genesis 26 we can learn from Isaac. Of course, Isaac in the Bible is a, a beautiful picture of the type of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's many things we can follow from his life. This is just one passage that the Lord led me to tonight. And in this passage, there were seven wells that Isaac dug. And these wells represented God's provision for his life and for his family. And of course, you understand that water also is indicative of growth. Uh, I lived in the Antelope Valley in the uh, part of the Mojave Desert. There wasn't a lot of water there. It was a very brown area as far as color. There was not much green. Quite different when God moved us from uh, the desert of Southern California to the, the swampland of South Florida. But water is so important in life. And it was, it was in Isaac's life that, that he and his descendants, that they discovered this water, the importance of it, and that the well was there, the water from the well was there, and that that, that was much needed in their lives. And so let's look tonight at three ways that you and I can steward the wells in our life. Isaac certainly had... As we see here, and we could even read more, Isaac had some wells. And I want you to notice about these three ways of stewarding the growth, the provision that God has for us, that one thing I see that Isaac did was he anticipated growth. Isaac anticipated growth. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they, they made a comment to me about uh, one of their one of their siblings, and they said somebody had made a comment to them about how much their sibling had grown. And this person that I was talking to said, "I, I, I was kind of like, I, I didn't realize that that she had grown that much." And I said, "You know, when our children were little, and we would maybe go see our parents that we didn't live around, our parents would say, boy, the children have really grown.'" And a lot of times we would say, really? And, and they kind of look at us because when you're around them all the time, you don't notice the growth, but when you're not around them and then you see them, you're like, whoa, there's been some growth here. And if we're, look, if we're going to go into this new year and we're going to steward it, I hope as a Christian that you are anticipating growing in the Lord. I hope you're not happy and satisfied and content where you are because I really believe that God has intended the Christian life to be a life of growth. Certainly, I know more about God and His Word than I did 35 years ago when I got saved. Now, the, here's the thing. Do I know everything? Absolutely not. Do I have a lot to learn? Absolutely. And that's why, even as a pastor and a Christian and a husband and a father and a grandfather, I'm anticipating growing in my own life. And Isaac, he anticipated growth. Look in chapter 26 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great, and went forward and grew until he became very great. I kind of chuckled the first time I read that because I thought to myself, 
great, very great, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it's certainly we can see here that it talks about crops, it talks about herd. You know, there's many ways that, that you can gauge growth. And, and, you know, so when I look at this, I see this matter of there's two aspects of anticipating growth, all right? The first one is this, you have to sow to grow. You have to sow to grow, S-O-W, not S-E-W, all right? Now, when you think about this principle here, it says in verse number 12, Isaac sowed in that land. He sowed a crop. And remember, verse 1 of this chapter, there was what in the land? There was a famine. Now, think about that. He sowed seed during the time of a famine. That's called faith, folks. You, you don't take something that's precious, that's of value, and put it in the ground in the day where there's no water to water the seed. But yet the Bible says, during the famine, he sowed, now look what it says, look at verse 12. And after he sowed, he received in the same year an hundredfold. That's a pretty good yield. I mean, I look at this because he anticipated, he sowed the seed, and guess what? God gave the increase. God gave the harvest. Isaac trusted the process that God had put in front of him. Let me say that again. Isaac trusted the process that God had put in front of him. We must sow if we're going to grow. You've got to anticipate. Lord, I want to grow this year. I, I want to grow in my, in my knowledge of you. I want to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to grow in my love for others. There's many ways that we can sow but we have to understand God's plan, and here it is, write this down, that we sow and then we let God grow. See, God gives the increase, and that's what we see here in this passage is Isaac sowed and God gave the growth. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians, I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You see, even when we go out and knock doors, talk to people about the Lord, we can't save people. But what we can do is we can sow the seed of the Word of God. And as we sow the seed of the Word of God, now it says, Apollos watered. You know, I'll just use this as an example. Maybe, maybe I would run into somebody and I would start to talk to them about the Lord. And I would, maybe if I had the opportunity, share the gospel with them, but they didn't get saved. Unbeknownst to me, maybe a year or maybe a couple weeks after that, maybe Brother Guy comes across these same people. He didn't know I talked to them. He begins to share the gospel with them just like I did. Well, the seed has already been sown. So what is Brother Guy doing? He's watering. He's reinforcing what... Maybe somebody else had already shared with them 
But see, I can't save them. Brother Guy can't save them. Paul couldn't save them. Apollos couldn't save them. God gives the increase. You see, you have to anticipate. Do you know why people don't get saved? Because we don't talk to them about the Lord. We don't witness. We don't, we don't anticipate growth. And, and we see here, look in Galatians 6, 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? So if you sow nothing, what are you going to reap? But if you sow the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to see people saved. If you sow seed in the ground, you're going to see a harvest. The principle is very simple. But you have to sow to grow. Now here's the thing is, sometimes we think to ourselves, we're thinking about a relative, we're thinking about a friend, maybe sometimes even a spouse. And we think about how, how wicked they are or how much they don't want anything to do with God. And what are we doing? We are acting with no faith. Isaac sowed the seed when there was a famine. He, he trusted the process. Who are we to say that somebody's life cannot be changed? Can God change lives? He sure can. But we've got to trust the process. That means we have to sow to grow. And in this new year, there will be growth if we trust the process. Look what Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. You see, the people, unlike Isaac, that would not sow, they had nothing. No fruit, no harvest, no increase. Many Christians live their lives without God's blessing. Why? Because they never sow in faith. You've got to sow to grow. But look at the second part of this, because as we look at Isaac's life and how he anticipated growth, he sowed, but then notice we see the principle here, letter B, he reaped the growth. You see, that's a beautiful principle in the Word of God. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. And so what we find here is that sowing is a part of the process, but so is reaping. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. How many of you have ever had a garden in your life? Yeah, now, it might have been some little pitiful thing, you know, a little four-by-four four patch or something like that, you know. Some of you might have come from a part of the country or maybe you had a nice yard where, you know, you had a place to put, you know, a nice garden out there. My grandpa, I remember when we used to go there, and I've talked about it before, but my grandpa, he had everything in rows. He had, he had a rototiller. And he'd get out there with that thing, and I mean, he'd run that thing up and down, and He'd break up that fallow ground. I mean, he'd get it all prepared, and he would put stuff in the soil, and he would throw his coffee grounds out there. That's about all they're good for, you know. But he'd throw his coffee ground. He'd throw all kinds of, he, he, he'd get his eggshells and anything he could that he'd throw in there, and he'd churn all that in, that dirt, and then he'd make these rows, and then he would plant the seeds. And at the end of each row, he would put a, a stick or a stake, and then he would take the the packet 
that those seeds were in, and he put it on the end of that stick. So when I went to Grandpa's, now I got pretty smart. I don't know how old I was. I could, I could recognize what a piece of corn on the cob looked like. I didn't have to look at the tag. But there was a day where I'd walk down and I'd stop and I'd look radishes, cucumbers, corn. Everything was in a perfect row. You know, and, and listen, he anticipated. My grandpa, he was kind of a funny guy. He had uh, all kinds, not only his, his garden, <laughs> but he had uh, other things on, on his property. And he had, just like when you put out a garden, you're always going to have, just like the devil, you're going to have some, something trying to come along and take the seed away, trying to take the fruit away. So my grandpa, he would, he would have all kinds of contraptions. He would have wire things around his tomato plants. Because, what is it, rabbits or something? Love to, to, is it rabbits that go after tomatoes? Forgot what animal it was. It used to go after his tomatoes all the time. <laughs> so he would put these wire things around so they couldn't get to it. And, and sometimes he would, birds would land. And so my grandpa made these things. He, he, everything he did was by hand. But he would take these, these strips of metal and he would drill holes in it. And then he would put these sharp spikes up through it and he'd glue it together and stick it on there so the birds couldn't land on it. He'd do all kinds of crazy things like that because he, he was anticipating those crops, eating those tomatoes. Anybody ever have a mater sandwich? A couple of you. You know, he loved those types of things. And so and just like Isaac, he understood the process. You see, sowing is a part of the process, but so is reaping. And because Isaac anticipated the growth, the Bible says he reaped an hundredfold. That's amazing. There was a famine. He reaped a hundredfold, and the Bible says he went forward and he grew. You know what that means in simple layman's terms? God blessed him. God blessed his faith. And when we think of a harvest, when we think of the results, we get excited. We, we think about uh, the opportunity of this new year coming up 2020. I get excited thinking about a new year, about what is in store and what God's going to do at Bible Baptist Church. New people walking in the doors, people getting saved, children being reached with the gospel. Boy, I get excited thinking, you say, Pastor, you haven't even planted anything in the ground yet. You haven't even sown anything. No, but I can anticipate it. I can be thinking about, uh, we always have fun with this, but about three or four weeks ago, we were in here, we were doing some work, and <clears throat> Miss Becky, she says, Pastor, what's the theme for Vacation Bible School this year? This was in November. Now, Pastor knew what the theme for Vacation Bible School was about two months ago. And Miss Becky says, what's the theme for Vacation Bible School? And Brother Kenny goes, please, 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 Pastor, do not tell her. And so you know what I did? I said, the theme is, and I told her. Now, Brother Kenny doesn't like it. You know why? Because as soon as Miss Becky finds out what the theme for Vacation Bible School is, 
She goes on something called Pinterest. Real men don't go on Pinterest. Or if they do, they don't tell anybody that they do. And so what Miss Becky will do, I don't even know the terminology here, but she creates these walls or whatever they are, and, and she starts pinning stuff. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys don't act like you know what I'm talking about. But she starts, she creates it so that, so that about two months before vacation Bible school, Miss Becky will come in and she'll, she'll pull up her phone or her computer and she'll say, look, Pastor, look at all these ideas for vacation Bible school. And Brother Kenny's over there going, oh my goodness. Because you know what that means for Pastor and Brother Kenny is work. You know? But I'll tell you, when we have vacation Bible, and we've had some tremendous vacation Bible schools, but all of that begins long before. Why? Because we're anticipating the growth. We're sowing the, the seed. We're excited about it. And we're going to reap that. And that's what, look, you can't skip the process of planting if you want to see an increase. Isaac knew that even though there was a famine in the land, he still had to plant to receive a harvest. Now, some of you are, I can tell by the look on your face, I wouldn't plan if there was a famine. You're missing it. it. How many of you think that the temperature in the world today, that there's a famine of truth in the land today? How many of you think that? So does that mean we should just close up shop? I mean, hey, let's quit having church. Or are we going to be men and women of faith and anticipate growth? Can God not do anything? I mean, if God created this world out of nothing and he's the same God today that he was then, then I'm going to tell you something. We just need to get out of the way and let God work. But you know what God wants us to do? God wants us to trust the process. That means we've got to anticipate. We've got to sow. But as we sow, we're going to reap. And what did God do for Isaac? Same thing he'll do for us. God blessed his faith. God gave the increase. And when we sow the seeds of God's word into our lives, and we anticipate growth, what do you think God's going to do in your life? He's going to give an increase. Some of you, watch this, because of your background, because of various things, you've believed the lie that you can't memorize scripture. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you, you're like, I can't even remember where I parked my car. I can't even remember my kid's name. But the Bible tells us that the Word of God can renew your mind. I've seen people who grew up and, and lived a life of doing drugs, and God saved them by His amazing grace. And I've seen them memorize Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. You know why you don't memorize Scripture? Because you don't sow. Some of you ought to, right now, you ought to determine in this new year, you ought to anticipate growth. I'm going to memorize 10 verses this year. Do you know how I have memorized, and by the way, I am not, I have so many verses that I need to, 
put to memory. You're not always going to have your, your King James Bible with you. And we need to hide the Word of God in our heart so that we can share it with those that we come into contact with and so that it would help us so that we might not sin against God. You see, we've got to anticipate that. <coughs> so look at verse number 13. Look what the Bible says again. This is talking about Isaac, calling him the man. Look at this. He waxed great. <coughs> and, and, and he went forward. And he grew until he became not great, but very great. How many of you would, would love to see that kind of growth in your life? You know? I, I, look, and it's not about me being somebody. It's about me being somebody for the Lord. And I, I want to be used mightily by God. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. See, we, we should desire to sow so that we can reap the blessings of God in our lives. Look at Deuteronomy 8, 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. God's been so good to us. I, I look around our property, and that's one of the reasons why that, uh, you know, this, this special offering at Christmas time. Because as a pastor and as a member of this church, I'm trying to steward what God's given to us. <laughs> you, you look outside, how many of you notice the colorful Christmas uh, ornaments and boxes and things that are out there? You know what those are? Those are the plywood that used to be on the roof of the old shed. You see, I've learned to recycle. I, I've learned to just try to use what God's given to us. To be a good steward of everything that God has entrusted us with. And when I think about the blessings of God, look, we are not the grower. You and I are not the grower. You know what we are? We're the sower. We are to sow the seed. And if we sow in this new year, then God will be faithful to grow. But we've got to anticipate it. And so the question is simply this. Will you ask God to grow you in 2020? God, I, I want to be used by you. I want to be like Isaac, where the Bible says again that he waxed great. He went forward. Notice he didn't stay where he was at. He didn't go backwards. He went forward, and the Bible says he grew until he became very great. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. But see, we've got to anticipate growth. How many of you are with me so far? Great lesson from the life of, of Isaac is in this new year, if we are going to see growth in our lives, we've got to anticipate it. Because if we don't, if we don't sow, we'll never reap. Notice the second thing I see about Isaac is not only did he anticipate growth, but Isaac identified priorities. Now this is very important because as Christians, we need to focus on what I would call our God-given role and not be focused on the things of this world. I haven't really 
ask Lauren this, but I know when I was in Bible college, and I think they do this in most Bible colleges, is many times they try to help the college students while they're young to develop certain patterns and habits in their lives, and that is to focus on their God-given priorities and roles so that that's something that they will keep with them the rest of their Christian life. Her as a mother, maybe as a, a, a wife of somebody in the ministry, maybe as a, 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 how God would use her over the years. Well, the same is true for us. God's given you some roles. Your first role is you're a Christian. You're a child of God. The second role is, is if you're a man, you, you're, you're a husband maybe, and, and, and then maybe a father, uh, maybe a, an employer or an employee. These are our roles. For the, for the woman, it might be a, a wife, a mother, might be a sister, or it might, might be a, a, something that you do at work. These are your God-given roles, and we need to be focused on them and not on the things of the world. Look what the Bible says, that, and this is something that many people struggle with, but Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, and think about that. Every week, every week of the year, somebody emails me, texts me something that they get online and I'm not saying that the internet's bad I'm not saying that we ought to be suspicious of everything but I think in this new year if we're going to anticipate growth and we're going to identify our priorities we need to get off the internet and get our nose in the word of God so many Christians they're given over to paying attention to preachers and evangelists and all these people that they don't have a clue who they are, where they come from, what they believe, and what they do is they swallow this stuff that they are teaching and preaching hook, line, and sinker. And then what they do is they send me an email, Pastor, what do you think of this? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I don't have time for frivolous things that are not connected to the Word of God. Because God's Word is our priority. People say, what kind of church are you? We're a Christian church. We're a Bible-believing church. Again, I'm not mad at anybody. There's a lot of parachurch. And, but listen, Jesus loved the church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus shed his blood and purchased the church. And this is what God has chosen to use in this time that we live in. We live, call it whatever you want, we live in the church age. And we've got to identify our priorities. And as we think about our priorities as Christians, we're not going to be tossed about, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive that's what they're trying to do is to deceive people listen if you you read something or whatever you don't and i don't mind don't don't get me wrong i don't mind i, I appreciate 
uh, many of you that have asked me, and I, I try to do the best I can with sending you stuff back. I, that's why I'm here. I, I want to be a help to you. But can I help you this year? Here's what I always find in myself. When I read something, the Bible says they search the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. If you anticipate growth in your life and you're going to identify priorities, and you either hear a video or you read an article, even if it's on the internet or maybe it's a book that you read, and listen, all you have to do is while you're reading it and you see something that doesn't sound right, doesn't look right, take your Bible out. Can I tell you, listen to me, I'm saying this with all the kindness I can. It's going to mean far more to you if you research the scriptures and find it, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and teach you than it is for you to say, hey, pastor, what do you think about this? And then have me research it, give you the answer. Now, again, I don't mind doing that. But how do you think God has helped me to grow over the years? Is I've realized one of the greatest priorities in my life is the Word of God. And Isaac understood his priorities. He made some difficult choices for his family. We read about it. These wells that they dug, his choices were driven by his priorities. Now look at the first thing I want you to see here is just like Isaac, we must choose health over wealth. Now, when I say health, you'll see in just a minute, I'm not just talking about physical health, and there, that, that applies, okay? But I want you to think about this because, and, and when I say health over wealth, I'm not saying wealth is bad. If you study the scriptures, guess what you find? God gave Isaac some wealth. Nothing wrong with that. Money's not evil, it's the love of money. You know, that's the root of all evil. So when you study his life, here's what you find is when the decision came down to money or his family, he chose his family over the things of this world. Would to God every Christian would be that way. Every father, every mother would be just like Isaac that would choose family over money when the decision came for Isaac to make that choice if he was going to lower himself to the pagan Philistines or if he was going to rise above it. He made that choice to dig another well. Now, digging wells weren't easy. It was hard work. But he chose to do that instead of going the way of the pagan world that he lived in and those that were around him. And the Bible says because he chose that, that the Philistines envied him. That's, what, that's the word the Bible uses. So because of their envy, what did they do? Well, we'll fix you, Isaac. <laughs> he dug a well, and what did they do? Anybody remember? They filled it in. That's not nice. He dug another well, what'd they do? They filled it in. He dug another well, what'd they do? They asked him to leave. Doesn't sound very charitable. But what's amazing is, is we just read it. He left, watch this, he left the crops. Remember the Bible says 
a hundredfold. You say, boy, isn't that kind of crazy? Well, the way I look at it is God continued to bless him. He left, why? Because he chose the water. He, he, he chose the fact that they needed water. That was the priority in his life. Stay with me now. He chose the water instead of the crops because he knew what his priority was. And in this next year, as Christians, look, you and I, we need to understand what God has given to us and what our priorities are. And it all starts with the Word of God. Begin this year. Begin every day with the Word of God. If you and I don't have God's word, what's going to happen in our lives is we will be spiritually dehydrated. One week without God's word makes one week, W-E-A-K. We need God's word in our lives. And Isaac understood the importance of the word of God. Amos said it this way, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That's the day we're living in. People don't want the word of God. People come in here sometimes, they sit down, I see the look on their face when I just started start reading scripture after scripture after scripture. They don't have a Bible. Uh, listen, I'm not upset at them, I'm not mad at them, I'm glad they come, I wish they'd stay. But people just want their ears tickled. They want to feel good about themselves. You know what's the problem? A life lived by feeling is feelings come and go. But God's word still stands. See, it's what we need in our lives. It's a priority. And, and Amos said, he says, look, there is a famine of the hearing of the word of God. But listen here, don't miss this, that Isaac knew that without water, they were not going to survive. You can do without food. You can't do without water. If I remember right, years ago, somebody said, I believe it, the body's comprised of about 70% water. You've got to have water. Isaac knew without water they wouldn't survive. So he chose, watch this, he chose the health of his family over the wealth of the crops. That's what he chose. He was not attached to the blessing. He was attached to the blesser. How many of you know the blesser tonight? I mean, the blessings are nice, but listen, I'd much rather be attached to the blesser. All things, all good things come down from above. God is the one that richly blesses our lives, and sometimes what the growth, look, we, we need to understand how important it is that when it comes to growing, we are not the grower. God and his word need to be the first priority in our lives. And where, where our priorities are is going to be dictated in our lives many times by one thing or other. Some people's priorities are dictated by money and prosperity. But listen, I'd much rather have my life being dictated by the word of God. That's why it was, it was, it was such a joy for me to hear Brother Chris say, hey, we we looked in that area to see if there was a church. Uh, when Brother Zach and, and Miss Sam, when they moved away, and he's still in helicopter school up there in Alabama, they said, Pastor, is there a church there? 
when, when uh, the Poliskas got ready to leave, they asked me, Pastor, here's, here's our address. Can you, can you tell us if there's any good churches like this church up there where we're going? Hey, I'm going to tell you, that's a priority. Stay around the Word of God. Stay in the house of God. And so Isaac, he was living a life that was dictated by the Word of God. Look at what the Bible says in verse 22. It says, he removed from thence, and what did he do? He digged another well. And for that, they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, and he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Isaac just packed up his things and he left. And when he, when he left and he got to where he was going, what did he do? He just digged another well. You don't hear him complaining. He left the crop. And the Bible says here, he did what he did because of his priorities. He chose the health of his family over the wealth of this world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We focus on all these things and then we think God's going to be so pleased. But you need to seek God first. So he digged another well, and what did God do? I love these words. God made room for him. Why? Because he has priorities right. How's your priorities going into this new year? Are they in line with the word of God, or are your priorities out of whack? See, I see here that he identified priorities, and one of them was he chose health, of his family over wealth. Look at the second priority that he had. He chose life over strife. Remember how the Bible talks about how his, his herdmen and the other herdmen, that there was strife between them? You know, I, I, talk, I talk to a lot of folks and they talk about the homes that they have and about how there's always strife in the home. It's awful living in a home like that. But there's always bickering and fighting and things going on. But you know what his focus, his priority was on his family. And, and as I look at this, the life of his family was more important to Isaac than winning some argument with those around him. And everywhere you go in this world, people want to argue about everything. Well, that's what you say. That Bible, that's just man's book. They want to argue. Listen, people are going to be that way. I want to make sure that my priorities are right. And, and one of the priorities in my life, just like in Isaac, is I want to choose life over strife. I don't want to sit around and argue with people. You know, we go to the doors sometimes, and I've been guilty of this in the past. How you doing? My name is Dane. I'm from Bible Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you to our services. Do you go to church anywhere? Nah, I don't go to church. Well, listen, I'd like to invite you. I start talking to them about the Lord. And they want to stand there and argue with me. And I used to think, listen, I've got the truth. They need what I have. And so I'd stand there for about a half an hour and try to out-argue them. And you know what happened after a half an hour? I'd walk away from there ready to blow my brains out. And I thought to myself, what a waste 
of time. Now, sharing the Word of God is never a waste. But standing there arguing with somebody is never a good use of our time. It's not wise. And God has helped me over the years. Now, listen, I, 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 listen, I, I try with all my heart to stay until the Holy Spirit says it's time to go. So when I get somebody that wants to just argue about everything, Here's the thought that I have. I'm going to pray that this person will eventually understand the truth. But maybe the person next door will listen, even though this person will not. And there are people that are dying and going to hell while we're standing around arguing about things. And Isaac thought to himself, listen, I, I want to choose life. It's My family is more important and the Bible says in verse number 19, look at it. His servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water, and the herdmen of Gerar strived, uh, did strive with Isaac's herdmen, and the they said, the water's ours. And he called the name of it Isaac because they strove with him, and he digged another well and strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. I mean, every time he dug a well, they wanted to argue with him about something. And, and so what Isaac does here is he allows them Amazingly, to have. Look, you can have it. It's just not worth it. Now, I have read, and, and they estimate, I don't know how accurate, but, but it took about two weeks of manual labor to dig many of these wells in the Holy Land. They claim some of these wells are about 200 feet deep. Hand dug. And here's Isaac. Just take it. It's just, it's just not worth it. We stand around and argue over the, the most trivial things. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Proverbs 14, verse 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy, and, but envy the rottenness of the bones. This, this matter of envy... See, that's what they were envy. The Bible says the Philistines envied Isaac. You know why? Because every time he dug a well, guess what? He hit water. He dug another well, he hit water. He dug another well, he hit water. Do you, do you think that maybe Isaac should have went and played the lottery? No. God was with him. God was blessed. Why was God blessing him? Because he had his priorities right. I hope you're getting it. So the Bible says they envied him. Envy is driven by comparison. Oftentimes what we do is we resent those that have something better than we do. Somebody said the other day, did you get a new car? Well, yeah, back in August. It was two years old when I bought it. We shopped around, got the best deal we could get. But it was like, did you get a new car? Well, yeah. Are you happy for me? <laughs> Look, we, we ought to rejoice when something happens in someone's life. The Bible tells us that, 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 listen, we ought to wrap our arms around one another and we ought to rejoice with one another. But you don't see that. You know why? Because it was Isaac, the man of God, and it was the Philistines. The uncircumcised. 
those that didn't know God. And here they are comparing themselves. The Bible says we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Teddy Roosevelt said comparison is the thief of joy. That's what he said. It robs us from being able to rejoice with others when we are focused on, like Isaac, on our God-given priorities. You know what's going to happen? The world takes notice. I mean, you, you ha- look, you have to understand, these Philistines thought, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, he just dug this well, and, and then he's like, you can have it. He dug this well, you can have it. Because he was choosing life. His family was more, look, his priorities were right. It's just a well. You know, look, look you get in an accident with your family and your car gets totaled. Hey, you can replace a car. Can't replace your family. Do you, do you understand how important it is to have your priorities right? He identified these priorities in his life. And look, oftentimes the world, they don't understand how, how we can be happy for other people. And the Philistines, when, they, when it was all said and done, they finally realized that wherever Isaac went, that God was going to go with him and God was going to bless him. I mean, how many wells are they going to fill and take from him before they realize, look, the guy's got us beat. You know, he's, he, God's on his side. Look what it says in verse number 27. Isaac said unto them, look at these words, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath between us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. You know what they're really saying? The world was saying to Isaac, Hey, listen, whatever you got, we want it. That's the very same thing I said to my wife uh, in different terminology before I got saved. I said, I don't know what this girl has, but whatever it is, I want it. Are you getting it? As we let our light so shine, as God blesses our lives, the world stands up and takes notice of that. And it creates in them, hey, listen, I've never seen this before. I've never seen somebody act like Isaac's acting You know, what is it about this guy? I'll tell you what it is. God is the priority in his life. We we focus on so many things as Christians, and what we need to see is that this testimony of Isaac, it was a testimony of a life that was focused on godly priorities, and until we get our priorities straight, how can we expect the world to want what we have? But I'll tell you this, when our priorities are right, the world's going to say, I don't know what it is, I don't know what he has, but whatever it is, I want that. Now, they may not understand it, but just like I did, they'll come to understand the Lord just the way that I did. So, look, if if we're going to see this new year and, and understand the growth that God has, then we have to anticipate growth by sowing and reaping, and then we have to identify our priorities, and And I think Isaac had his priorities right. Isaac chose the health of his family over the wealth of this world. He chose life, things that were good for his family, over strife. 
arguing about things all the time. And then look at the last one. Is Isaac made some commitment. Now this is a tough one. Because this world we live in is so non-committal. It's amazing. It's amazing how people are living together. They don't want to get married. I mean, they'll enter into a contract to buy a car. But when it comes to a relationship, no, no, I don't want to go there. We've got to understand, just like Isaac did, Isaac made some commitments. And I want you to see these commitments because, you know, we're going into a new year and and I, I don't know if I really like the word or not. It's not a Bible word, but we oftentimes use it around New Year's called resolutions. You can call it whatever you want. Goals. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having some goals. He who aims at nothing hits it every time. You know why you're not going to lose any weight this year? Because you're not going to set a goal. And at the end of 2020, you're going to be complaining because you didn't lose any weight. So look, we, 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 we understand about these commitments, and when we make a commitment before God, what are we doing? We're making a statement of faith. It, it is this matter of believing that God can do it, but not only that God is able to do it, but that God can do it through us. God wants to do it through us, but we have to be willing to allow him to do it through us. That, that's, that's a choice that you can make. God, I want you to do something in my life. I want you to do something through my life in this new year. And so just like Isaac, notice here, we must commit to trust God's promises. Look at verse 23 of our text again. The Bible says, He went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. And will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. God makes him a promise here. And, and listen, as you look at this, that gives us, the, the promises of God gives us the power to perform what God has promised to us. And when we step out of the picture, guess what happens? When God works, God gets all the glory instead of us. You know, I, I think it's so important we see, look at Philippians 2.13, it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. See, we've got to trust God's promises. Remember when God called Abraham, and I always love this because it's happened in my own life, but look at, in Genesis 12, verse 1, how the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house. In other words, leave everybody that you know unto a land that I will, future tense, show thee. Now, how many of us would be willing to say, okay? I mean, he literally was stepping out into nothingness. He had no idea where he was going. I remember when I went off to Bible college with my family, and my dad, who wasn't a Christian, asked me all kinds of questions. Son, do you have a job? No, sir. Where are you going to live? I don't know. How much money are you going to make? Well, right now, I don't know, Dad. He looked at me, and this is what my own father said. Son, I thought I raised you better than that. I said, well, I believe you did raise me right. But I was just doing the same thing that Abraham was doing. I was just stepping out by faith. I didn't have a clue. Now, that's hard for a natural person to understand. 
But I had to trust God's promises. Look, a lot of times we standing on the promises. I wonder if we're standing on the promises or standing on the premises. Do you trust the promises of God with your own life? That's what Isaac was doing. He was trusting God. Look, Abraham was asked of God to go. Remember what he says here. He says, get thee out of thy country. So what was God's promise to Abraham? Get out of here. But it was not the same for Isaac, his son. As a matter of fact, instead of telling Isaac to go, God told Isaac to stay. There was a famine in the land. Look at look chapter 26, look at verse number 2. The Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land that I shall tell thee of. God says, look, I just want you to stay put. Well, Lord, I mean, there's all these herdsmen that are, that are having issues with me. And I mean, it's just not nice here. People are not being nice to me. And there's a famine and God, there's just so many wrong things going on. But listen, Isaac, the Bible says he wanted to go down into Egypt. But what did God say to him? God says, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. Now, why would God do that? God wanted him to stay so that God could show Isaac and everyone else what he can do in a famine. See, it's a wonderful opportunity for God to work. When times get hard, we have a choice to make. Are we going to allow God to provide or are we going to look for something easier? See, a lot of times that's what we want, the easy way out. But God says, I want you to stay and let me prove. So the look, at, look at the Bible, look at this verse, verse number 30. The Bible says, because he stayed, he made them a feast. And they did eat and drink. Now, who's he sitting there eating with? Philistines. He's sitting there in the land of famine. How in the world was that possible? Because with God, all things are possible. I hope you see this tonight, that Isaac, who wanted to leave, God says, I want you to stay. And when times got hard, instead of taking the easy road, he trusted God. And so the Bible says, that as a testimony to his God, he sat down with pagan Philistines and they had a feast in a land of famine. All because he stayed. The cisterns were dry, circumstances were bad, but what did he do? He trusted God in the famine and God gave him a feast. Can I tell you tonight, as we go into this new year, what you and I need to do is Dr. Lee Robertson used to always preach, have faith in God. Trust the Lord. Stay where you're at. Look here, dig another well. That's what Isaac did. Every time they started to dig, they hit water. Somebody told me when I moved here, they said, Pastor, this is South Florida. Anywhere you stick a shovel in the ground, you'll hit water. Well, listen, every time Isaac and them tried to dig a new well, the deeper they went and found water, the deeper the well, the more pure the water was. The better the water was for the crops, the better tasting the water was. It was good for them. And can I tell you that the deeper we go in the water of the Word of God, the more confidence we will have in our God. 
How deep are you going to get in the Word of God this year? Are you going to dig in it? See, what many times we do is we surface read the Word of God. We skim it. You know, when Lauren probably knows this, but almost every class you have so much reading that you have to do. And many of the Bible classes you're supposed to read, if it's a book you're studying for that course, you have to read through the book of Acts this many times, the book of Romans this many times. And then I used to, as an instructor, I always had the students sign off at finals. Did you read through this book? Think of the book of Romans, they had to read through it like 10 times. Did you read? And they would, they would put on there, yes, I did. And then I'd have students come back to me, Brother Keely, I lied. I didn't read. I skimmed the Word of God. You know what you're going to find when you dig in the Word of God? You're going to find pure water. You're going to find gold. Nuggets that you've never seen before. But it's going to take work. You're going to have to labor. You're going to have to do like Isaac did and trust the promises of God. The promises of God will give you refreshment. And the Bible says as Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he said to her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, Thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. We had, uh, I, was, I had Brother Chris tell the deacons, <laughs> we had, you know, people say that the gospel light attracts a lot of strange bugs. I was working here in the church and Friday, and I heard somebody, people come up, and, and I think they think that the doors are unlocked, and we, we a lot of times keep them locked because we're in various parts of the building and some of you will come by and you have to knock on the door or whatever. And, and I heard it, people always come up and they grab the door and it's like they're going to rip it off the hinges. And I heard somebody <laughs> try to open the door. And so I, I yelled to Brother Chris. I was up on a ladder and I think he was in his office with his feet on his desk sleeping. And so I, I yelled, hey, Brother Chris. And so I got down, went out in the lobby and and I looked at the door, and I didn't see anybody. He went that way, and I heard him talking to somebody. They were at the back door, and so I came in and went back to work. And when I got done, Brother Chris said, he, I said, who was that? He said, some lady. I said, what'd she need? She asked me if I, if I had any water. He said, well, yeah, hang on. And so he went and got her a bottle of water. And so he took her a bottle of water, and he handed it to her. And she looked at it, and she said, is this church water? And he said, well, well yeah. And she looked at it and she goes, it says Costco. And Chris said, well, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what it is. She goes, so this isn't holy water. Chris goes, about that time I was going to say, hold on a second, I'm going to go have pastor pray over it. You know? <laughs> but you understand, people come from those backgrounds where they think that Somehow we have a way that we can make water holy. But Jesus said to that woman that day, hey, listen, I can give you some water to drink. If you drink of this water, you'll never spiritually thirst again. Hey, I got saved 35 years ago, and that thirst was quenched 35 years ago. I've never had a thirst since then, spiritually speaking, as far as salvation is concerned. And the Bible tells us here that Jesus was promising this woman that she would never thirst again. And it was a beautiful picture of what we're looking at, even here in Genesis 26, how that one day Jesus, the Son of God, 
that he would come and he would offer a well, not Abraham's well, not Isaac's well, but a well that didn't just have water, but living water that could change a person's life. You see, we've got to trust the promises of God. And then notice, if we're going to make commitments, we've got to commit to trust God's plan. Now, don't miss this and we're done. But look at verse number 25, what the Bible says here. The Bible says, he builded an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Now, do you notice the Bible says he stopped and he built an altar. I think we understand the significance of an altar, right? He was going to spend some time with God. He built an altar there. And then the Bible says that after he built an altar, he pitched his tent. Now that word that's used there in the Hebrew is it means that he kind of placed things in a certain way. It wasn't like a permanent type of thing, but look back in verse number 21, what the Bible says. They digged another well and they strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. So as we think about this, the Bible says he, he pitched his tent there, but in verse number 25, the Bible says that, that he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Now that word pitched in verse 25, it means to place the stakes so deep that you have no intention, you're not planning to leave. It was a word that was used to stay in one place and to allow the plan of God to unfold. You know what Isaac was doing when he pitched his tent, when he drove those stakes deep? He determined that he was going to stay put and he was going to trust God's plan. And I've been here for five years and it's been my joy to see some of you that determined long before I came that you were going to drive your stakes deep and you were going nowhere. That this was God's plan, that it was unfolding in your life, and you had no intention of stepping outside of the will of God for your life. Others have come, and it's been my joy to see some of them say, you know what, this is what God has for me, just like what God had for Isaac. And Isaac was saying when he pitched that tent, God, I'm staying here, and the Bible says then he digged his well. He pitched his tent. He, he put his mark down saying, I'm trusting God's plan. And because of that, God blessed him because he made a commitment. He committed to trust the promises of God, and he made a commitment to trust the plan of God. Look at the Bible says, as David wrote in Psalm 37, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. In other words, listen, have you made the commitment in your life to say, you know what, come what may, I'm just going to trust in this new year the promises of God. I'm going to lean on the promises of God, and I'm going to trust the plan of God. Uh, listen, God has something great for us in this new year. And when I, when I think about this new year, I think about this piece of paper, and I think about this new year. We have no idea what this new year is going to hold. 
We have no idea if this was our life, what's going to end up on this piece of paper in 2020. But here's what Isaac did in his life. Isaac, instead of writing down his priorities, instead of writing down the things that he was going to give himself to, the commitments that he was going to make in his life, Isaac, by what he did, by his actions, he took that piece of paper representing his life and he laid it before God and he said, God, whatever you want. He said, I want this year to be your year and I want to be a part of whatever you want. Not only in this church, but in my life. And God, I want you to work through me. And I hope that's your desire, is you want God to do something in your life this year. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the wonderful testimony of Isaac. Lord, I thank you so much for the encouragement that I received. I pray that even as we've been here a little extra tonight, that as we reflect over this past year, maybe areas in our lives that our priorities were not what they should be, God, help us to identify some of those. Help us to make some commitments now that would help us in this new year, a year that would honor you and please you. Lord, be with us this week. Lord, help us to live for you each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.